May I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. It's a little bit cold and foggy today. I think we're all a little bit sleepy, so um, I'm just going to lay it out for you today. Here's how this sermon is going to go. What I'm going to do is tell you a message, and I'm going to tell it to you wearing three different hats. The first hat is the administrator hat. The second hat is the pastor hat. And the third hat is the spiritual leader hat. And what we're going to do is we're going to equip you for an amazing spiritual journey that you're going to take right here immediately after church on this campus. It's going to bring the gospel reading to life. It's going to teach you something about yourself. And as if that weren't enough, I've got a little doggy bag to send you home with that's going to be one for the road, a spiritual path, a spiritual journey to take home with you. So that's where we're headed and how we're going to get there. We ready? All right. My friends and neighbors, it is stewardship season. (laughs) Today we are going to jump in by talking about our scarcest resource, the scariest one. This is the resource that we wake up every morning and we go, there's not enough. It's not money, it's time. How many of you are like me and every morning when you wake up, you count how many hours of sleep you got the night before. And then you count how many hours you'll have during the day to accomplish your massive to-do list. Yes. Time is our scarcest resource and it is a non-renewable resource, my friends. So I'm going to go ahead and put on my administrator hat. One of my roles as the rector of this parish is to be an administrator. I need to make sure that the ministries of the church are running smoothly, that the lights are staying on. And I have to say, before saying another word, I do this with an incredible team of people. Um, This is not a solo operation. And I need to give particular props to our incredible parish administrator, Joanne Souza. If you've ever been here on a work day, just tell her how amazing she is. Because she, yes, let's give her a hand. I tell my colleagues about her and they are jealous. So she is a gift to us. But there are many others who help make all of that happen. And I would be here all day if I tried to mention all of them. But I do ultimately have a responsibility to make sure that things run smoothly. And when I was in seminary, I heard a really great metaphor for church, that a church is kind of like a university. So it's our job to offer attractive programs and ministries that achieve our mission, but that also nurture our students or our parishioners. And we need to provide a way to plug in to this university, 
right? When I went to UC Davis, there's about 36,000 students, or there was when I was there. And a lot of people told me, Annie, when you go there, don't be overwhelmed. Just take some time to find your people. And churches can be like that. It can take a little while for us to come and to find our people. Corporate worship as an entire body is extremely important and critical to our development and our spiritual health as Christians, but so is connecting to sort of the small groups that exist within the church. And that happens in our ministries. When I was a seminarian, my field ed was at this church that was a very big, it's the closest thing to an Episcopal megachurch we could have, called St. Paul's in Alexandria, Virginia. And there were so many ministries and so many activities, and I was thinking, so where do I find my people in this parish? And I thought, well, if there are any sort of West Coast-minded weirdos in this church, they're going to be at the yoga class that happens on Wednesday afternoons. So I went there, and sure enough, <laughs> I found my people. So in my time being at this church here at St. Paul's Benicia, I've had the privilege of sitting down with many of our ministry leaders in my first couple of months. And every single one of them have said one of two things. Either we need more volunteers, or, I've been doing this ministry for 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, and I'm ready to pass it on to someone else. So folks, we need volunteers. Our ministries very much need volunteers. And it just so happens that we've got an event after church today that can help solve that problem. And I'll say more about that in a moment. But I also want to say, too, that this is a very typical issue that churches deal with. Every church I've ever been connected with in the Episcopal Church has had people saying, we need more volunteers. We want more people to engage in our ministries. So while it's a typical challenge, while we're not alone in this challenge, nevertheless, it is a challenge that we face. And in my role as administrator of this parish, I must tell you, we need more volunteers. Now, I'm going to take off my administrator hat and put on my pastor hat. You know, the solution to this big issue of needing more volunteers, more energy, more leadership, is not just to convince you from the pulpit that actually you're all wrong and you all have enough time and that you really can do the ministry and you should just sign up because you love Jesus, don't you? There, there actually is a real issue here with time, with this resource. There's something going on in our society about time and how stressed and how busy we are. And my belief is that it has its roots in the Industrial Revolution. When we were building and investing in these factories and time became money. You could bring in an expert to look at your factory floor to analyze how the workers were spending their time during a day, and you could figure out ways to speed them up. And the faster they went, the more money you made. Time became money. 
And I think that that unhealthy attitude that started back then has stretched over the years into our time and into our place. I think a really incredible book that I would recommend to everyone about this is called Overwhelmed, Work, Love, and Play When No One Has the Time. And it's a book written by a journalist named Bridget Schulte who writes for the Washington Post. And she went on this journey of trying to understand her own life and how overwhelmed she was as a two-income family trying to manage kids and soccer practices and the whole nine yards. And it started for her when she was asked to serve on a committee at the Washington Post where she worked to look at why women were not reading the Post. They were there to try to figure that out, to try to get more women readership. And in the process of that, they started talking to some marketing people and they realized that marketers have a particular demographic they call frenetic families. And she was one of them. And I think it's fair to say that we've got some frenetic families here in this congregation, but I would add my own demographic to this, which is what I call the restless retirees, who are people who tell me they're retired and I go, really? Uh, because we are busy people. So many of you volunteer, not just at this church, but at other nonprofits and are involved in childcare and parent care. There's so much going on in all of our busy lives. In her book, she, Bridget Schulte has this amazing way of describing her life. She says, my life feels like time confetti. One big chaotic burst of exploding slivers, bits, and scraps. And really, what does a pile of confetti amount to? That's a very powerful image. Our lives as confetti as disorganized bits and pieces that have been shot all over. This is a truth that we all face. It's a truth that we feel, that scarcity of time, that urgency from going one thing to the next. We live in a world of time confetti. So I'm going to take off my pastor hat and put on my spiritual leader hat. So while I definitely agree that there is an issue in our society with our business, I think there is also a new idol that has emerged. And I believe that that idol is busyness. It used to be that the status symbol of one's greatness was how much leisure time you had. We admired and envied the people who could spend time in the tropical islands relaxing on a beach doing nothing. And I think that we've switched our point of view. That the busier you are, the more in demand you are, the greater you are. We idolize the people who are answering their phones at dinner parties because they're needed at work very urgently. We look in awe at the people who put their kids to bed and then spend another three hours answering emails on their computers. This busyness is our idol. We brag to one another 
about how busy we are. And the truth is, as Bridget Schulte writes in her book, we're actually not busier at all. She says that there's this field of research where people write time diaries. They keep careful track of everything that they do. And this research has been ongoing for many, many years. And they found that we actually have more hours of leisure time on average in the last 40 years. We spend more time with our kids than ever before in the United States. Whether or not it's quality time, I don't know. But we do spend that time. In the United States, we are among the highest in the world for how much time we spend on the computer, yes. But also, we're the highest, among the highest, for volunteerism and for caring for children and aging adults. The results of this research really tells us that the issue is not that we're busy, it's so much that our perception of how busy we are is kind of warped. We have more time than we think. And the author of this book was amazed to learn after she did a time diary for a long time that she had about 30 hours a week of leisure time and her jaw hit the floor. But it was true, there on paper. So the goal really can't be we need to make ourselves less busy somehow. The goal, I think, is that we need to achieve some serenity around our time. We need to achieve some peace, some understanding that even when it does feel busy, we have enough. We've been given enough by our creator that we can't just stop doing everything, but we need to change our mindset about it. So this leads me to our spiritual exercise for the day. I would like each and every one of you to go to the ministry fair. It's happening next door in the parish hall. The traffic's not bad, so you can get there in a couple of seconds. I checked. And I want everyone to go, even if you're burned out, even if you've got tons of energy, I would like old, old timers and newcomers, everybody should go. And I want you to go and walk around the booths and displays that our ministry leaders have set up with a mindset of abundance. Walk around as if you have all the time that you need. Think about how that feels. How does it feel? Be open to God's voice calling you to ministry, to this deeper connection with our community, to this opportunity to find your people. Don't shut God's voice out by saying, I'm too busy. You're not allowed to think, I'm too busy for that. This is an opportunity to try on God's greatness instead of the greatness that comes with busyness and overwork. Think about where God is calling you to serve. Ask God as you walk by each booth, is this the greatness that I'm destined for?
And finally, your doggy bag, your take-home quiz, as it were. I'd like to challenge each and every one of you to spend two hours today, and if you can't do it today, some other day this week, of doing absolutely nothing. Nothing. Now, I'm willing to let you define what that nothingness looks like for you. But I do have two rules that I'd like you to abide by. The first is that the whole family has to do nothing. It doesn't count if you're basking in your nothingness while your spouse is washing dishes. The second rule is no screens. And this is the voice of experience speaking. I cannot tell you how many times I kick back on the couch with my phone thinking that I'm going to have some nice relaxing time. And am I more relaxed an hour later? I am not. So no screens and the whole family. Nothing for two hours. See what happens. Bring that same abundance mindset with you that you tried out in the parish hall and see what happens. Because this is the greatness that God calls us to. God does not call us to a life of busy rushing from one thing to the next mindlessly. God calls us to a life of service, to a life of hard work, to a life of rest and Sabbath and taking it easy. This is the cup that Jesus is speaking about in the gospel. This is the baptism in which we share. It's this life of balance, of serenity around time. This is the greatness that we should seek rather than the greatness of busyness. So take on this greatness. Listen to God's call to be great. And I hope that you'll join us in these spiritual exercises to see where God might lead you. Amen.